Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I hope you're well. Things continue to be interesting here. We'll see if new events in my life start putting a damper on how quickly I'm able to put together podcast episodes. I promise I'm not going to go away. We'll just see if I can keep up the pace of two to three episodes per week. Um, We have another Odyssey episode today. We are up to book 15. When we last left off, Odysseus was spending the night in the hut of Eumaeus, his swineherd, and Odysseus is still in disguise, of course. Athena, however, had gone off to help Telemachus get home safely, and that is the part of the story we pick up with when book 15 begins. Athena finds Telemachus at Sparta. Nestor's son, Pisistratus, is sound asleep, but Telemachus isn't. He's lying awake, thinking about the stories he's heard about his dad. Athena, most reassuringly, hovers over him and says, Dude, you should go home before the suitors leave you with nothing to go home to. Your grandpa thinks your mom should marry Eurymachus, so you need to go now. But be careful. Go alone. Trust no one. Except maybe a servant. Give all of your guest gifts to your most trustworthy servant until the suitors have been dealt with. Oh, and the suitors are lying in wait to kill you, so don't go straight home. Get off at the first stop and walk the rest of the way. Tell your crew that you'll meet them later and then send them on. Go to Eumaeus and stay with him the first night and then send him to tell your mom that you're home safe. And after having told Telemachus all this, Athena disappears and goes home to Olympus. Telemachus kicks Pisistratus to wake him up. His companion grumbles that it's still dark out and can't they at least wait until dawn to leave? Besides, it would be rude to leave without saying goodbye. So they wait. And when Menelaus wakes up, Telemachus says it's time for them to leave. And Menelaus says, oh, he won't stand in the way. It's rude to keep a guest longer than they wish. But he can't let his guests leave empty-handed. Telemachus points out that he really kind of needs to travel light, and Menelaus promises not to give anything too big. Telemachus is given three gifts. Agamemnon gives him a wine cup, Megapenthes gives him a wine bowl, and Helen gives him a dress to give to his wife when he gets married. As Telemachus says goodbye, an eagle carrying a goose flies by, and this is deemed to be a good omen if everyone cheers. Helen explains. It means that Odysseus is home and is preparing to deal with the suitors. And with that, Telemachus and Pisistratus drive back to Pylos, stopping at Ferre to spend the night because all of that leave-taking at Sparta took too long. As they approach Pylos, Telemachus asks to be dropped off at his ship so that he doesn't have to spend another night before he starts to sail home, and Pisistratus agrees. He helps load the ship and urges Telemachus to be off before he gets a chance to tell his dad that their guest has already gone home. Nestor would insist on hosting Telemachus for another night. However, before Telemachus is able to set sail, this man shows up. His name is Theoclymenos, and his father was Polyphides, a prophet. Theoclymenos has a little problem. He kind of killed a cousin in Argos and needs to get off the mainland quick. He asks if he can go with Telemachus to Ithaca, and Telemachus agrees. Then they finally set sail. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, or Swineherd's hut, Odysseus and Eumaeus are having dinner. Odysseus tells Eumaeus that he really needs to go in the morning. He's a beggar and he needs to get back to his work of begging. Maybe he'll try the palace. 
UMass does not like this idea one bit. The palace simply is not safe right now. His guests should wait until Telemachus gets home. Odysseus agrees to wait and asks after the king's parents, which is to say, of course, that he asks for news of his own parents, except Eumaeus still doesn't know that his guest is, in fact, Odysseus. Um, Eumaeus tells him that Odysseus's mother died of grief, and Laertes still lives, although his heart is broken from the twofold sorrows of the loss of his son and the loss of his wife. Eumaeus then waxes on about what a wonderful woman the lady had been, how she'd raised him practically as a brother to her daughter, uh, Ketmine. Uh, <laughs> um, say that five times fast if you don't speak Greek. Um, and they were the best of friends until she married a Samian prince. So Odysseus has a little sister. Who knew? <laughs> and that was when Eumaeus was given this job um, as swineherd that he loves. And Things aren't so great now, though, with those suitors around. Odysseus then asks Eumaeus his own story. Where did he come from? He must have been a child when he was brought from his home. Eumaeus says yes. He's from the island of Syria, not to be confused with the country of Syria. Syria. Um, there aren't a lot of people there, but it's got great grazing land. Uh, there were two towns, both ruled by Eumaeus's father. Well, one day these Phoenicians came along and seduced one of their maids. She told them how she had been captured by pirates and sold into slavery and how she just wants to go home. And her new lover said that he'd help her with that. She sweetened the deal by offering her master's son as a captive. He frequently followed her on errands, so it would be easy to capture him. They maintained this plot for a year before putting it into effect. But after six days of smooth sailing, Artemis shot the woman through the heart. And the sailors heaved her body overboard and then sold the boy to the royal family on Ithaca. And that little boy, of course, grew up to be the swineherd telling the story. Odysseus is touched by this tale and thanks Zeus for Eumaeus's deliverance. The two men talk most of the night before deciding to catch a few winks before dawn. In the morning, Telemachus lands safely. He tells his crew to continue on to the port and that he'll go by foot. He gives Theoclymenus directions to where he can find lodging until it is safe for him to come to the palace. A hawk carrying a dove flies by, dropping feathers down on the young men. Theoclymenus whispers to Telemachus that this is a good sign. His family will be in power forever. Telemachus leaves Theoclymenus in the care of Piraeus, one of his most trusted sailors, before he sets off on foot to the swineherd's hut. And that is where Book 15 ends. In the Iliad, we saw that honor and glory were recurring themes, which makes sense since that epic is about war. Um, a recurring theme in the Odyssey is what it means to be a good host, which also makes sense because this is an epic about traveling. Um, and this also means I've already talked a lot about guest host relationships uh, so even though that, of course, is a theme we see here in Book 15, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on it this time. We'll just put it out there. It's there. If you're using this as a partial reference for schoolwork, that's a theme that you can talk about in Book 15. Um, the conversation between Odysseus and Eumaeus makes me think of the TV show Undercover Boss, um, which I... I've never really watched or maybe have seen parts of episodes. I don't know if I've ever seen a whole episode of it, but that's what it makes me think of. Um, 
We're told that Odysseus is a good, kind master, but I doubt that he's ever really talked to any of his servants the way that he talks to Eumaeus in this book. Um, and it is fairly clear that Odysseus has never heard Eumaeus's history before this, this story of how Eumaeus was captured and sold into slavery is news to Odysseus. Um, and I really do think his reaction, Odysseus's reaction, is genuine in this in this scene. Um, and it it is interesting to look at the story Eumaeus tells uh, because he was captured and sold into slavery. But the reason this happens to him is because of someone else who was captured and sold into slavery. Um, and one of the things that's interesting to me is how the young woman is described. And I, w- I wish she had a name. She doesn't. But um, Eumaeus makes it seem like she was seduced by the Phoenicians. But I have to wonder how much she chose to use them. Um, they don't kill her. That's kind of what you're expecting, the direction you're expecting the story to go, right? Is that the Phoenicians get on board the ship. They've got the girl. They've got the boy. What use is the girl to them? They kill her and throw her overboard and sell, sell the boy into slavery. But they don't. It's Artemis who kills her. So she dies of some natural cause. Um, if you're shot by Apollo or Artemis, you, draw, you die. It's not... It's not a human killing you. It's the gods killing you. It's some natural, what we would call natural cause. So who knows what would have happened if she had lived? I mean, her her plan with giving them the boy was to pay, basically as payment for her passage home. But would he have wound up on Ithaca? Um, and despite the way she first encounters the Phoenicians, you know, that they meet her on the shore and seduce her, Right. Um, she has a lot of agency as she works to escape her enslaved state and attempts to return home. She's the, she's the one making these decisions and coming up with the plan, um, for her, for her liberation. So what do you think of Odysseus now? And what do you think of Telemachus? Um, we hadn't seen, seen much of him in a bit, have we? Not since, not since the Telemachy. The Telemachy and the, the Odyssey are kind of finally meeting up and those two separate timelines of, of stories are now, are now linked and will be moving forward as one story from now on. Um, pop over to the blog and share your thoughts on this or anything else Book 15 makes you think of. Um, it is at the blogs at triumvircloud.school.blog, of course. The URL and maybe a link, depending on our platform, are in the show notes. On Friday, we will look at the Homeric Hymn to Hephaestus. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.